Prince Michi and LeBron James is Gwangi. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to welcome you to the 7th Annual Mildly Pleased Awards. Tonight, we're going to reflect on the most mediocre content that came out in the year 2018. As is tradition, this podcast features the three of us, Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman, because we consider ourselves the most qualified people on the planet to talk about the stuff that is just okay. It's you said mediocre. Good. I feel like it's a, it's a step yeah, above it's a that. It's, it leaves you content, but not necessarily satisfied. I feel like most of the Miley Please Awards is us trying to decide on what it is. Yeah, yeah every <laughs> every year. So I, I think if you've listened to all the Miley Please Awards, you've heard my stance, and I, I feel like I made Colin give his stance on what the Miley Please Awards are last year. So maybe John, if you could. Reflect just sort of on your approach to these awards before we get into the categories. Just real quick. It's not bad, but it's not great. It's just the right amount of good. It's not going to be on any best of year list, but there's some good stuff about it. It maybe sits at like a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> maybe a little higher, maybe yeah, a little lower, but definitely not. Definitely fresh. Yeah, definitely fresh, but just a little bit. Not too fresh. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get too fresh with you. Not this early in the podcast. <laughs> um, so you usually go through video games first because they're the most boring category. Got to get it out of the way real quick. This year, as always, we have five nominees, just like we have in every category. Um, and my first nominee for Mildly Pleased Video Game of the Year was Crossgrams. It's a phone game I just started playing. It's um, like a crossword puzzle where um, all the you have all the letters already laid out in the shapes of the words and you can move them horizontally into different positions to sort of figure out it's like, it's like an anagram crossword puzzle game and um, they have daily challenges uh, like a lot of phone games these days so I've been working on my streak it's kind of a fun little tiny free game you can play on your phone um, and just like a reality of the work of man life is you play a lot of games on your phone <laughs> so uh, I wanted to give a, a shout out to that uh, as opposed to just constantly talking about Hearthstone every time we have any sort of video games come up on our podcast. Yeah, it's not on here this year. Um, the second nominee for viral... Uh, what, we also have like the long category name that I write up in the post. It's like Achievement in Mildly Pleasing Video Gaming. Um, the, that second nominee is Dragon Ball Fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, this year for me was a big like getting back into Dragon Ball year. Uh, I think it's it all. Time. I think it all started with just Dragon Ball Fighters. It got a lot of people excited about the game. It was um, the first like good Dragon Ball fighting game in either a long time or ever, depending on who you ask. Um, it's a two D tag team fighting game in the style of like a Marvel versus Capcom, uh, with beautiful art style and great um, you know. It, the, the game really gets the Dragon Ball vibe. Um, and it's, it's got fun. that hard rock. Yeah. Generic hard rock and tunes <laughs> in the background. Um, and because of the popularity of this game, um, the guys at Giant Bomb started a podcast where they watched um, Dragon Ball Z for the first time. Not only Dragon Ball Z for the first time, but an anime for the first time. <laughs> um, and so it's funny to me to listen to these guys. I think they're in late 30s, early 40s. Like... But they're, they're like lifelong wrestling fans, so they like get it automatically. <laughs> um, so, so that's been enjoyable to me, and I've been rewatching with along with that podcast, 
um, Dragon Ball Z, uh, and it all comes back to fighters. So, like, I should probably put it on my games of the year list, but it's a fighting game, and I can't convince anyone to play it with me. And when I go online, I just get wrecked, and the story mode is really dumb. So, um, I think it's it. I don't want to spoil things, but I think it's kind of clenched the uh, mildly pleasing game of the year for me. Um, my third nominee is Mario Tennis Aces. Um, which people were excited about when it came out because they were hyping up that it has this big story mode. Um, and the reality is the story mode is boring as hell. <laughs> uh, weirdly, it's very similar in structure to the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate story mode where it's got a you know Mario World-style overworld and you go around and you play the game, but they have like special story mode rule sets for you to play through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Without the like insane levels of fan service that Smash Brothers had, I just felt no motivation to play this game at all. And uh, you know, people were thinking like maybe it's like an RPG, the single player mode. And so for, for that aspect, of it, it was very disappointing. But it is a, a totally competent tennis game, and I feel like if we ever are in a, a mood where we want to play virtual tennis, but it's way too much work, we've got Mario Tennis Aces now at least. Mm-hmm. Um, my next nominee is Warhammer Vermintide 2. These are a series, it's now a series of games, it's the second one, it has a 2 in the title, you figured this out. Um, where <laughs> it's, um, it's a first person, um, Left 4 Dead style game set in the Warhammer, um, the Warhammer universe, not the Warhammer future, whatever that, 40k or whatever. Um, where you play as you know a knight with a sword and a crossbow, or like a wizard that shoots fireballs, and um, there's like a thief with a bow and arrow and stuff, uh, and you fight off these like massive hordes instead of zombies. They're the vermin tide, so it's like rat men and other sorts of monsters. And that aspect of it killed the game because I couldn't convince Nancy to buy it because he's like, oh, "That's too gross, too gross, not interested." <laughs> Uh, he's talked about that before where he like can't watch medieval fantasy movies set in olden times because everybody looks like they haven't taken a shower in months yeah it's too gross i get it it's too bad because <laughs> i had a good time with it but um without without a group of friends to play with you kind of lose your motivation to keep at it pretty quick mm-hmm. i only played it for maybe a couple weeks but i liked it a, a good deal and maybe someday I'll just buy a copy for John and for Nancy and force you guys to play it with me. Force me to play a mildly pleased game? It's good. <laughs> Make up your mind. I'll figure your case here. I don't think it's going to win. I don't know, you guys. Um, and the last nominee was A Way Out. Uh, I don't remember if we talked about this on the summer podcast or not. I think we did, but we can talk about it it's, again. Um, do you want to take yeah, a Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, from Joseph Ferris, who, um, Swedish guy who made Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which is like a fantasy co-op game where you shared the controller. Two people shared one controller. Mm-hmm. This is a similar concept in that it's a co-op only adventure where you so the whole game is split screen, two player. You're two guys in prison in the 70s and you're trying to break out. And there's a lot of parts of it that are really fun where it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm out of prison. I can do whatever I want. But not really. But you, you kind of feel like you might be able to. Like it's 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 kind of like tries to make itself seem like it's a lot bigger than it is, and I think that's one of its like weaknesses is that you always feel like you're kind of stuck to a path. Mm. But probably the bigger, more funny weakness is this game kind of like played up the fact that it's really cinematic 
and that this is basically like playing a movie but most of the drama and the acting in it comes off as really strange and i think part of it is that it, it appears to have an all swedish cast mm-hmm. and the accent peeks through quite a bit and it will always takes me out of the scene one of our favorite bits was when you're trying to lure the guards over to your cell by asking for extra sheets but as he says it can i get some extra sheets extra sheets there's a lot of stuff like that and it's kind of just a generic melodrama uh, but it was it was still really it was still really fun. Like there's like a lot of great like there's car chase stuff in it that's really cool. Um, there's that part where uh, you like break into an old couple's like house and you can just mess around with shit. Yeah, that's probably the best part of the whole game is just not doing what you're supposed to. But I mean that stuff's in there, so it's in there to be enjoyed. Stuff like play checkers or jam on a guitar. Yeah, and and the fact that it's always in split screen. Uh, enabled some comedic moments too like i remember your character was talking to their uh wife who had just given birth to a baby and my character was tipping himself over in a wheelchair at the same time and the audio switching between those two you know just that's just how storytelling is in 2018 now also the ending was disappointing and i think i can spoil this because this game has been out long enough spoiler it turns out one of the characters was an undercover cop and you have to face off at the end. And I played as the undercover cop pretty much the whole game. And Sean played as the actual crook. And it seems like the best ending is for the cop to win, but I didn't. Mm. So it had <laughs> kind of a bitch. weird ending. And also the fact that it comes down to you just you know shooting each other. And then you have no other choice but to shoot the guy. Yeah. Yeah, Brothers had a kind of a similar thing where, um, I mean... You- your your version of it playing two player was kind of unique, but uh, something happens at the end of Brothers where you end up having to uh, to change the way you play the game. Yes. And similarly, this does that, and it's like I I kind of knew it was coming, uh, and I could have been handled better because it, it it I think it came down to just like almost a button mashing thing between the two of us, like who could hit the other more basically in a, in a short period of time. Instead of it really being a reflection of how we played the game or our investment in the characters. But I'd say overall, it was a pretty ambitious idea. Yeah. And it does work pretty well in a couple spots. It's an amusing little game. Well, not even that little. Uh, but I'm going to give the... Uh, unless one of you guys wants to fight me, I'm going to give it to Dragon Ball Fighters. Go for it, dude. Alright. So congratulations. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. I'm a lover, not a fighter's congratulations to dragon ball fighters for their uh for winning the mildly pleased award for video gaming in 2018 um our next category is the most difficult category to talk about because um we never really know what it means to be a mildly pleasing viral video but uh here they are the uh the nominees for uh achievement in mildly pleasing viral videos in 2018 uh our first nominee is mr bubs which is a video of a man playing with his bizarre dog (laughs) he's speaking to it in a high pitched voice and it starts freaking out freaking out um and then the uh, the camera person no, Mr. Bubs looks at the camera, and the camera person goes, Oh yeah, I got you. I got you on camera. 
And it appears like Mr. Bubs prepares to attack the camera, and then it cuts dramatically. It's a hard video to describe. <laughs> Just gotta experience Gotta look it, it up, man. Yeah. It's uh, hilarious. It's very entertaining. Do we have any problems with Mr. Bubs phenomenon? <laughs> Think so. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard one to take issue with. Okay. As is always the case with these, you can't be just like, I wanted more. <laughs> it's like, it's not really Are you guys aware that the viral videos. Like, the Mr. Bubs people were like trying to go viral for a while and they did it and they mm. made a ton of Mr. Bubs videos? Yeah, sounds a little irksome i suppose mm-hmm. but gotta make a living yeah you've got a hilarious that dog that is a living i wish my dogs could do something funny on the internet oh that dog's so annoying to live with though <laughs> every day mr bubs <laughs> it's the price of fame our next nominee uh is titled kid orders bong package arrives and his mom wants to see him open it i feel like every year we have to have something in the genre of kid does something embarrassing in front of his parents um i like this video because it's it's as the title suggests um clearly a package for a bong has arrived and uh the mom knows it and the kid knows it and the brother filming it knows it but the kid you know He's got no plays left except for confusion. And so he's opening the package going, what is this? What the frick? I ordered an Xbox card. I ordered an Xbox remote. That's his best and only He can't defense. even keep it straight. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it so cringy. I'm trying to play off, play off that, you know, yeah, this is a mistake. Like, that happens to anyone. You accidentally get sent a bomb. <laughs> though, though, to be fair, I could imagine getting sent the wrong thing because one time I tried to order a ventriloquist dummy and I sent it to an old address where people live and they never sent it back to me so they just got a weird dummy one day. (laughs) (laughs) There's a story of that. But I don't think that's the case here. No, I don't think so either. Although somebody did make a response video where uh, he opens up a package with an Xbox controller and goes, what the frick? This is an Xbox remote. I ordered a bong. So that's pretty good. That's funny. That's that's clever. Good. It's it's a cringy video but it's, it's it's pretty good. Um, our next nominee is our most local. Uh, this is new. A, uh, I think it's just called Vandal Caught on Camera. But um, it's a. Uh, well, my John, you can say where it is, right? Yeah, it was, at, it was at Bonneville Studios, right outside in the parking lot. And there's a guy with a, br- a mop or broom trying to break into a, a pickup truck by using the end and smashing <laughs> against the window. To no success. Yeah, this person is clearly messed and up. And that one part, like, walks over to this little roof thing, which is like a little covered area where people sit for, like, their lunches, and walks up there and then just falls off onto the ground and passes out. And the whole thing is narrated by John Curley of Cairo. Mm-hmm. How, was this viral outside of the Northwest? Yeah, yeah, I saw it on Reddit first. That's nice. That's funny. Uh, yeah. I feel like I kind of vaguely remember when that happened, too. Like, someone's like, oh, there's some guy messing around the parking lot. But I never saw the video. I didn't hear about that part. <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, I wonder what happened to that guy. Probably doesn't know this ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably left before anyone found him, I would imagine. I don't know. Seems like it, considering how long he was just fooled around without anyone intervening. I have to check the date on there. I wonder. I probably wasn't there that night, but maybe. I think it has the 
the stamp in the corner of what day that happened. But yeah, it's just funny, embarrassing. I think it could have um, used maybe some Benny Hill music or something. <laughs> but good job, Seattle. Yeah, we did it. Um, next one is kind of in a similar uh, similar vein. It's a video. It's called Woman Falls Through the Ceiling in Convenience Store Metal Gear version. I, I like the Metal Gear version more than the original. I, they're both good. <laughs> um, where they've taken this video of I don't know, two meth addicts. People, again, who are not in their sober mindset. So we should all laugh at them. And their problems. Um, assumingly trying to rob a convenience store, but our, the, the video picks up with them already trying to escape. Yeah. Uh, and it follows the man as he deals with security guards and also the woman who runs into the back and for some reason decides to climb up into the ceiling. <laughs> Some sort of vent, and that's what's great about the Metal Gear Solid version, is that it cuts to the point of view where you're inside the vent, like it's her point of view. And of course, there gets to a certain point where it can't support a weight, and she comes crashing through the ceiling. Yeah, totally another staple of these annual viral videos (laughs) is someone falling through a ceiling. It's just just such a ridiculous thing to happen to someone. It's just something you don't get to see every day. That one made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Well, I already thought it was pretty funny just watching them like scurry around the store with the metal with the music yeah. music and sound effects oh that's right they've also got the, like, like yeah and uh but then you add on a <laughs> falling through the ceiling on top of that oh, yeah it's just this is great comedic and suspenseful yep very good uh and our last nominee this year um oh, i'm a little nervous about how produced our viral videos are this year um because true because <laughs> this one is is from a former vine star yeah and uh and like he wrote a whole song that's true but it's presented as if he's just breaking into a song walking down the street it's zendaya is michi um this bizarre song of this man singing the names of actors who play characters in an animated film that i can't remember the title of littlefoot yeah Little, so foot? little foot or small foot? Ooh, <laughs> little foot's the name of the small dinosaur. I think, from let's so, let's, let's not look this up. Yeah, let's just not know. Let's just not know. Um, and there's just something very amusing about hearing him sing things like Zendaya is Michi and Danny DeVito is Corgle. <laughs> I think it's LeBron James. LeBron James, Stonekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> so weird um but it's delightful it's, yeah. it's a very happy song nice nice little little uh, bit of positivity to put in your life watching this video um but yeah i do agree i kind of was hesitant to put it on because it, it you know some effort was put into this but you could say the same about like all of these pretty much all of them except for maybe mr bub but even you said that they're trying to make this happen so this is you know we're entering an age where viral videos have some some production value yeah i suppose i think we tried our best to keep them as um just things that happened that got captured on camera but youtube's making it too hard and and I'm still I'm pretty happy with these five nominees. So we'll include the uh, the links to these videos in the post, but we have to decide on an actual winner now, guys. 
It's definitely for me either Mr. Bubs or the woman falling through the ceiling. <laughs> but I'd probably go Mr. Bubs just because. I like Mr. Bubs. All right. It's, it's instant classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so... Um, and we've already established with viral videos, it's not the most mildly pleasing one. It's just whatever makes us laugh the most. It's just so, because the existence of viral videos is mildly pleasing in itself. It's so weird. I like Mr. Bubs. It's a good choice. Right. It's, uh, you know, it feels like a spontaneous moment. It's like 12 seconds long. It's good. Uh, so congratulations to Mr. Bubs. You are... Uh, winner of the achievement in viral videos in 2018. The uh, the next category we're going to talk about is the most mildly pleasing event. Now this is a category we've almost eliminated on several occasions, <laughs> but I think we did a great job this year of getting outside of the realm of big news for the most part and just talking about the stuff that matters to us, which are like one day Twitter phenomenons for the most part. <laughs> Um, so the first one uh, we have listed here is the hashtag MPR Raccoon, um, which I believe stands for Minnesota Public Radio. So maybe that was just someone attempting to brand that raccoon. But this was um, one day we were all caught up listening to the story of a raccoon who started running up a skyscraper in St. Paul. And people were worried that he wasn't going to make it or he was going to fall. Um and so it was just a day of watching this hero raccoon 25 stories up, working his way up this building. Now, I don't remember. Did they take him out of a window, or did he make it to the roof? He made it to the roof. Wow. It's just too, it was just too scary when that was going on. It was way too <laughs> suspenseful for me. I couldn't take it. It's a very cute little raccoon going so far. He's such a scamp. <laughs> Why is he a scamp? Because he scampered all the way up a building. <laughs> I think he's an American hero. <laughs> he could be both. <laughs> Who else is an American hero at a scamp? Uh, the, the, all the guys at the Boston Tea Party back in the day? Because <laughs> they're like, they're patriots, but they're throwing all that tea off like as a prank. Like a bunch of scamps. <laughs> sure. Sam Adams. Sam Adams, the original scamp. <laughs> But uh, is this is like, oh gosh. so? He's what happened to him? Uh, I believe they. I don't know. Actually, they probably. I think I saw a picture of him in a cage. So I assume they just took him to some sort of retreat or just let him yeah. out somewhere. <laughs> probably far away from buildings. Yeah. I he like did, I like retreat. He didn't remain a celebrity. No, not that. But I everyone always remember the legend. Mm-hmm. In that day. <laughs> I feel like we're just trying not to talk about our next topic. So, don't you know, we don't want to get political, but I guess we will. So this, like, the thing everyone told ourselves, everyone told themselves uh, to keep themselves sane in early 2017 was that um, that, be, that President Trump would be so bad and the Republicans would be so hapless that um, there would be a blue wave in the midterms in 2018 and Democrats would come back and they'd win the House and they'd win the Senate and they'd 
I don't know, arrest Donald Trump or something. <laughs> I, We'd win the presidency too somehow. Yeah, somehow Hillary just gets loophole. to be president, I guess. Yeah. Or I don't know. I mean, maybe that could happen. <laughs> Bernie becomes president somehow. Whatever the fantasy was. Yeah. And of course, reality is more complicated and depressing than that. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, we did have a midterm this year where more people voted than in any midterm in history, and uh, a lot of uh, interesting and inspirational people uh, rose to prominence, and some of them even won. I think a lot of people are excited to follow um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's uh, career as she moves into the Congress. She's our age. She's younger than us. Jesus. Like barely. Well, she's like 29. I'm 29 still. She turned 29 after the election. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm 30, man. I'm old. I shouldn't even talk about stuff. Yeah. Get out of the game. <laughs> out. Whatever game that so, is. So yeah, I mean, it was it was great to see all these these people come to the spotlight, and hopefully some of them make a change. I think where it's disappointing is it seemed like a lot of losses may have had to do with tampering in yeah. the process, yeah. and that kind of just makes you lose faith in everything because <laughs> it's like, well, is is that ever going to be fixed? Is that just how those some of those states roll forever? Is Florida just forever going to be a shitty state when it comes to elections? Seems like it's been for quite a while, and also. Um, in particular, I found uh, Beto O'Rourke to be a really disappointing one because he's so cool. And t- come on, Ted Cruz. Honestly, that, one, that one I was more surprised I, I by mean, I how guess close it's, it's he Texas. got. Yeah. It's Texas. Like I, I was expecting him to lose by more than he did. And it, I don't know. I guess, I guess the thing is, people are like, nice Beto O'Rourke there. would be a great candidate for president. It's like, yeah, he would, but it's like he's gonna have he has this loss hanging over him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Ted Cruz came back after the election with a beard that looked terrible, but a few weeks have passed now, and his beard looks great. It's okay. It's really infuriating. <laughs> it's okay. He looks so much better with that beard than he did plain-faced. Plain-faced. I don't know. He looks like a Civil War guy. <laughs> he, well, he, he wants to be a Civil War guy. <laughs> wants to return to the time of the Civil War. Yeah, exactly. Um, Seed from the Union. But yeah, I think... I mean, there's just no way the the Dems are going to win the Senate. It's mm-hmm. just impossible. <laughs> yeah, they did an amazing the job. The Senate is a fucked system. It doesn't make any sense, and it's just a hard thing for Democrats to ever get a majority there again. Yeah, most most of the seats that were up for election were already Democrat seats, so yeah. they did a good job maintaining as much control as they already had. Um but now, of course, it behooves the incoming Democratic Congress to actually be good, which Congress hasn't been good in my lifetime. So um, we'll see where it goes. I don't think this one's going to win, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about sarcophagus juice. Yes. <laughs> so uh, where, did, where did they find this mummy? Ooh, What's the background Excellent question. Because I feel like I can't really talk about sarcophagus juice without a little bit of uh, background. Yes. I don't remember where they found it. I remember that the, the thing was they found it and there was, there was a lot of excitement. So they found a mummy. About what would be in the sarcophagus. Like people were, were saying it could be anything. Think of a thing people thought it was going to be in that sarcophagus. Aliens. Werewolves. The Wu-Tang album for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Scully's soul. 
yeah, of course, it was just Egypt. So how did they get to Juice? A construction site in Alexandria is where they found it. Um, so they finally did open the sarcophagus, and they found the remains of what appeared to be a family. Oh, man, in one sarcophagus? Mm-hmm. Fuck. And on top of that, there was sewage and juice kind of along with the remains. Right. And people wanted to drink it, I guess. And, so was there yeah, some there was online like petition? Petition, people <laughs> voting. Like, who, who are they suggesting should drink it? So I, um, I, Anyone? I created a link to the... Uh, actual change.org petition so let me read entirely what has been written this this has um this it's still going up as of this time it has 34,436 signatures on it but it just became 437 so it's still going up um and the entire uh it's called let people drink the red liquid from the dark sarcophagus and the body reads, We need to drink the red liquid from the cursed dark sarcophagus in the form of some sort of carbonated energy drink so we can assume its power and finally die. Okay, so it's just suicidal people. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I think it's just very amusing. But the reason it's mildly pleasing, because it always has to have like something that's cool, but then something that's disappointing about it, is that there is no really good conclusion. Cool. Just a bunch of juice. But I guess people kind of turned it around by making it do a thing that they wanted to But I mean, though, it. like, they never gave them a definite answer. They probably did get a definite answer. Just, yeah. like, just like, no, they, stop. They posted two updates. The first update was at 12,000 signatures. It reads, Importatin. Typo important. Uh, please stop trying to tell this. Tell me the skeleton juice is mostly sewage. That's impossible. Everyone knows skeletons cannot poop. <laughs> and then a later update reads: uh, Thank you so much for all your deep and personal reasons for wanting to drink the cursed mummy milkshake. I swear I will keep fighting to allow you to sup. <laughs> uh, that's. I'm sure. I assume there's some pretty great T-shirts out there. There better be. Somebody's got to be making money off of this. Uh, maybe that's our thing to work on after the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, our next is John's uh, rise and fall of Movie Pass. It was so sad. So Movie Pass. This actually started last year when they dropped the prices. What was that? I think it was like September. It was September or August, somewhere around there. That Movie Pass, which had been like a service that had been around for a while, where you could basically see a movie every day for a set price every month, and it was originally like thirty, forty dollars. But then mm-hmm. like, let's drop it down to ten. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna get that. And for a long time, it was great. It worked at most theaters. I could go pretty much, you know, any day I wanted. But I was like, how is this going to last? Of course it doesn't because you need to make money for a business to keep going. And <laughs> it just got – so I had it from about September to uh, – September 2017 to June of this year. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I saw a movie. And then they started doing stuff where it's like, oh, well, you can only see certain movies at certain times. And then some people would go to theater and it would totally drop off the app. And it was just, I, it's obviously still, it still exists, and it's just such a fucking mess. And it was such a sad way to see it all go down. Mm. And I feel like their PR handled it really terribly. 
Their Instagram is so funny because every single time they try to post, it's just a wall of hateful comments about how bad the service is. So many. I can't even, I don't even know why they keep doing it. I don't know who still has it. I, I kept it, I think, into September, even though I didn't see a movie all summer, just hoping that would bounce back. It'll never bounce back. Um, so I think it's a great idea. I just don't know if anyone's ever going to pull it off at a, like, it make it that good again. I don't know how yeah, to do it. It seems like AMC is probably going to be the most sustainable one of those, but their service is not nearly as good as Movie Passes was. I like to think that there'll be some other service that comes out from some company someday. You know, now that people have seen what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it was a hell of a ride. I said a lot of money. But holy shit. Well, I did see, though, that Bruce Willis signed a three-movie deal with MoviePass today. <laughs> today. Great yeah. timing. Bruce. Time what does that mean? That mean, well, MoviePass was like a co-producer on that movie American Animals. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. So they're going to keep doing that where they have their name on movies. I don't know where they have... Where's their money coming from? I don't know how they do that. They have no money. They have zero money. But anyways, I guess Bruce Willis saw it as a great opportunity <laughs> to work with them. I think it's like a Silicon Valley situation where they keep telling people they're going to generate value by having all these user metrics about their users. And so they keep getting investors to invest. But in they them just lost somehow. so yeah. many of their users. And and didn't wasn't there a thing where they were um, uncanceling people's memberships without yes. notifying them? Yes, I heard about that. That's true. That happened mm. to people. That is so fucked up. They just handled and they are their customer support was always terrible. They were never ready for this any of this. They just did it. Were totally unprepared and it fell apart. Very depressing. Yeah, I, I set the whole thing up, but I kept thinking, like, man, I wish I got in on that movie I don't, pass. I don't regret I it, because, yeah. So I did. I signed up for a different competing service that did the same deal uh, this September. So now it's my turn to go on this ride. Um, but so far, it's been good. But that was the case with John this time last year with movie pass. So who knows? Uh, our last event nominee is the Tide Pod Challenge. Have you guys done it? No. We should have done it on there. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you, you put a Tide Pod in your mouth and you wait for it to fizz up or something? Well, so I believe where this started was when Tide Pods came out, there were memes about it being forbidden candy. Because it looks like candy. And people would Photoshop it into images. You know, because it does, it looks like a hard candy. Yeah, like a peppermint. Yeah. But somehow that escalated to, yes... Like actually putting Tide Pods in your mouth, <laughs> and um, I don't know if someone died, but I definitely feel like I've heard stories of people being very badly affected by having participated in the Tide Pod challenge. I'm gonna look that up while we're talking about which this. is truly disappointing. But does it do anything? Does it like fizz up? I don't. I couldn't when, when this is happening. I couldn't actually find any videos of people doing it. Like it seems like they're taking them down. As they should. <coughs> yeah, it's probably not something you want to. I don't think anyone has died. I love that there's a Wikipedia page now called Consumption of Tide. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see any death. I mean, I would... Wait, 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 wait. Uh, between 2012 and 2013, Poison Control Centers reported over 7,000 cases of young children eating laundry pods. Justin and Procter & Gable laundry pods have resulted in six deaths by 2017. 
So, but that's spanning quite a long time. So maybe one person died. Jeez, um, man. But like, I, it doesn't specify if that was someone doing a challenge or if it was like a child, who got, like a little baby or something who got to it. Mm. But, oof. Anyways, I think Tide itself did a good job of kind of handling this. Like, I, they had their whole Super Bowl campaign where they kind of just played it off as kind of like a funny thing, kind of ignored it. I don't know. I think they they did an okay job. Yeah, I'm just. Is I'm that re- why it's on here? Because like, what part of this is good? <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia. It says that they would record themselves chewing and gagging on the pod, and then they would dare other people to do the same. So, I assume it spread because of that daring aspect. Because you can't you can't refuse a dare. That's teen code. I saw truth or dare. <laughs> yeah, you can't refuse it. And why don't people choose truth more often? Because at the middle of the movie, they make up rules like, oh, you can't choose it that many times because we wrote ourselves into a corner. <laughs> you only choose truth like twice, and then you have to choose dare. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Uh, again, though, why is this in the Miley Please Awards? I, I believe it's in the Miley Please Awards because, like John, because it was funny to us that John kept being like, I'd do it. I didn't say that. That's a complete lie. I never once said that. John, I remember being at Costco and buying laundry detergent and, and asking, should I buy Tide Pods or regular detergent? And Autumn wrote, you can't buy Tide Pods. John would eat them. Okay. And, and okay. John, you wrote, I'd do it. He didn't say he'd do it. He said, they look like candy. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is close enough. I wouldn't. They do look like candy. <laughs> they do look like candy. I love candy, but I would not do it. Don't spread these lies. It's just—it's mildly pleasing because I said I would worry. Said I would do it, which is—it's in the realm of possibilities, though. It's not absolutely not. I'm not going to put poison in my mouth. A lot of gross stuff in my mouth, but never anything that had poison in it. Close. But would you drink the sarcophagus dark liquid? Of course I would. Sewage. (laughs) But they made it into a carbonated drink. I have to hear a little bit more. <laughs> um, well, we got to pick a winner, guys. <laughs> I feel. I think I'm leaning towards the red sarcophagus juice because <laughs> it's just like a funny kind of inconsequential thing. No one got hurt. This doesn't impact the future of our country. Yeah. The raccoon thing—it seems too good. It's just like. That was that was fun, but as John pointed out, it was a very scary day. I guess it is a little stressful. Movie pass it seems more on the disappointing side. It was a good time for seven months. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. I agree with sarcophagus juice. Plus, okay, we might still see them drink the sarcophagus <laughs> juice. <laughs> that that would be uh, you know the dream is still alive. That would be tragic. I think someone died drinking the sarcophagus juice, but you know. It's the way they wanted to go out, so it couldn't be that bad. Well, All right. So congratulations to Let People Drink the Red Liquid from the Dark Sarcophagus on Change.org. You are our uh, uh, mildly pleased event of 2018. And, of course, you're in Egypt. Why didn't we all just be like, yeah, it's in Egypt? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. There are other kinds of mummies, I assume. I don't, I don't know. There aren't many coming to mind. 
Uh, our next category is television. And I get really choked up when it gets to television because <laughs> it means so much to me. I love TV so much. Um, our first nominee in this category is The Assassination of Johnny Versace, uh, the second season of American Crime Story. Uh, if they have seasons, I don't know because it's like a mini series technically. I mean, they plan other seasons, but yeah. It's kind of its own thing every year. Yeah. I don't know how similar... I didn't watch it, so I don't know how similar it felt to the other season of American Crime Story. It felt different because it was mostly working its way backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my problem with the show, is it starts out um, with compelling characters and actors giving great performances. And this murder... I almost sneezed, but I didn't. <laughs> For the podcast, for the sake of the podcast. Good job. You're a uh, hero. Like that raccoon. <laughs> but then you see the pattern uh, as the as the episodes go on where it's Andrew Cunanan meets somebody, develops a relationship with them, and kills them. Or develops a relationship with them, and then they're like, this guy's weird and manipulative, and I need to get him out of my life. Basically, those two outcomes. That's half the that's half the season of the show. Is just watching that happen over and over and over, yeah. and um, it there it just seemed like there was more there. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how they could have done it better, but um, the the people versus O.J. Simpson had such a massive cast of entertaining characters, and it tackled not only their stories but also uh, aspects of race relationships of race relations in America as well as um, the judicial system of the United States, which are both interesting aspects of it. Uh, and here, because it was a kind of cut and dry case, there's there's not really any development of the judicial aspect of the story. And because it's, um, because Andrew Cunanan and Johnny Versace are both gay men, you'd think there'd be more of an exploration of uh, gay culture in America in the early 90s but even that's barely um, barely touched on in a meaningful way I thought I mean obviously it's a big part of the show but I don't think they really show you anything that's that's you couldn't have just guessed mm-hmm. um, so I was kind of disappointed with it and that's why I put it on this list our next nominee is a is a twofer classic top 10 Thursdays move uh, <laughs> It's James Cameron's History of Science Fiction slash Eli Roth's History of War. These were both, uh, I think they're like seven, eight-part series. The first one being hosted by James Cameron, where uh, he would interview famous directors and writers and scientists talking about the history of science fiction. And every episode had a theme. One was the future. One was aliens. One was robots. I watched the first episode, and I was like, this is really cool. James Cameron's talking with Steven Spielberg. James Cameron's talking with Ridley Scott. They both made an alien. How cool is that? They didn't really talk about that, which disappointed me. But after that first episode that I watched, it kind of felt like the same show over and over again because clearly they shot everybody on like one day, and it seems like a lot of stuff they they said could be applied to almost any episode. Like, it, it, it just... It really lost whatever it had in that first episode by the time you got to, like, second, third episode. And also, they only really hit on the absolute most famous stuff. And I get it. Like, that's the stuff that did shape that genre. 
but after a while it's like how many episodes have we talked about terminator like how many episodes have we talked about close encounters mm-hmm. like can we dig a little deeper into the history you know i i feel like i didn't get quite enough it felt very surface level felt like reading like a, a like a, a simple english wikipedia page it doesn't include all the details that you want <laughs> not even a good wikipedia page <laughs> yeah because I, I i i had to like find a way to get out of that because sometimes wikipedia pages can be yeah. pretty good <laughs> it depends on what the fan base's knowledge is and that was over the right. summer and then in the fall for halloween time they did basically the exact same thing but for horror movies and it was hosted by eli roth well that did a very good job i think he's a very good host and he's a very good interviewer you know, he's talking to Guillermo del Toro, who's on both series, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I only watched one episode of that, and it, I, it was a mistake because I watched Zombies. And you remember this on AMC, so. Um, walking Dead. Walking, it was 90% of the conversation was about how Walking <laughs> Dead shaped everything. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's the most unoriginal zombie idea ever. And, like, I, I get it. It is, it is a big deal in the zombie community. But, I mean, come on, man. It just feels like a big commercial at this point. And that made me think about what is AMC right now? Because remember when AMC was Breaking Bad and Mad Men? Mm-hmm. Like, is it just like, like ooh, geeks now? Is that is that what the channel is? It, I feel like it has no identity. Or that's its identity, and I hate it. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, like, I don't hate it, but it's like, you could you could be better than this. You were better than this. Cause there's there's and there's moments of these shows that I do like, but I just feel like they're not trying that hard. They're just like if it's got like Walking Dead and geeks, that's good enough for me. I guess yeah. we'll put or it on. We'll put had, anything on. And um, Halt and Catch Fire, right? And that was I feel like that. That yeah. just wasn't a big enough hit. It never caught on like Breaking Bad or Mad Men did. But it does have geeks. But, so it has geeks. That's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, they're putting in in both sides. I mean, now uh, I feel like FX is what AMC should have been yeah <laughs> uh but what should netflix be sean well apparently not in the marvel game because uh this <laughs> was canceling all their shows they had all the marvel shows this year there was iron fist uh jessica jones luke cage and daredevil all had seasons this year so i guess the punisher didn't get a season but nobody cares about that oh. um <laughs> and i would say all the seasons were improvements, except for Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones' season was a little worse uh, over their last season. And nonetheless, all the shows got canceled, including Daredevil, which was like a massive hit when it came out. And uh, the only one of the Defender shows that I think has been consistently good and also consistently critically praised. Um, and it sounds like the, the whole cast and crew of that show assumed they were going to get another season. Um, but it didn't. But I, I, I like... I loved this, the season of Daredevil that came out this year, and I had a mildly pleasing time with the season of Luke Cage that came out this year, and I thought Jessica Jones was kind of disappointing, and I thought Iron Fist was bad, but trending upwards. Um, so I wanted to put Luke Cage on this list, um, because it's, like, they did a thing where the, the guy he fights is, is like, it's just like another Luke Cage guy. <laughs> Which I I know is the like, that's just how comic book villains are, and it's the easy route for these shows. Um, it was kind of weak, uh, but I still like the whole supporting cast of that show, and and, and Mike Coulter as Luke Cage, and I loved the, um, the funk, jazz, R and B, 
hip-hop soundtrack that it had uh i love his carhartt hoodies i'm totally gonna get a carhartt hoodie at some point it's gonna look like luke cage walking down the street um and it ended uh, the season finale ended with luke cage deciding to not sit on the sidelines anymore and get directly involved by like taking over this um club that had kind of been the hub of crime in harlem in in the marvel universe um so basically he was becoming a crime lord but to stop crime which i thought was really interesting and set up an interesting arc for a third season that now just is never going to happen what's the best way to stop crime become the crime no and then stop yourself <laughs> oh so take over all the yeah okay <laughs> i get it but does that really stop crime i guess for a little bit for a little bit that's probably as, as good as you can hope until someone else takes over the crime yeah <laughs> i mean that's the, the most interesting aspect of the show is how that is that is sort of what you're hinting at colin where they have a discussion over like if if you take out a crime lord then other crime lords are going to suck up that territory and does it really change anything or does the status quo maintain itself also misty knight got cool robot arm this season because her arm got chopped off in the defenders cool did it was it just a regular robot arm yeah like it wasn't a squeeze stuff real hard and punch stuff oh it can do all that um but she didn't get a whole robot body like the guys at silicon valley did this latest season was that a whole robot body or is it just like half a robot no remember she's like out and about later on yeah but she was like sitting in a car oh yeah maybe she didn't have a whole body it was just like a torso and a head yeah that's probably my favorite part of the last season of Silicon Valley. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> creepy AI robot. So yeah, Silicon Valley moved on uh, with a smaller cast this year. Yeah. How did you, how'd you feel about the TJ Miller-less era? Uh, like, fine. Because he's kind of stigmatized now. Because <laughs> he's mm-hmm. a creepy guy. And... I don't know. I guess he was a nice presence from time to time, but he was always kind of a background character. Yeah. What, Ehrlich? Yeah. yeah. That's why I stopped watching, because he left. He's my favorite character. Yeah. I mean, he was terrible at but you're supposed to like hate him. He's, I feel like he's what made the show work so well. Mm. I mean, aside from Thomas Middleditch. Yeah, they have um, John Yang sort of step into his... The, like the villainous aspect of the early yeah. character yeah. i did see that great scene where he's talking about trying to get a dead body that's this that's like the size of Ehrlich and he's like a big giant dead pig yeah because <laughs> it's too expensive to get a human body so it's better just get a pig yeah. um i don't know this season was fine it had it's definitely had its moments yeah but, my problem is that perpetually this show does the like are they going to be a hit oh no a thing happens and the whole company's in danger and then in the season finale episode they come up with a solution and they move forward to the next step and i'm just so tired of how stagnant the show feels 
while still yeah. having finales every year that make it seem like the show's moving forward into a new direction. And it kind of, I mean, they kind of are moving forward. It just feels slow, I guess, in TV time for mm-hmm. some reason, even though that's kind of the way these businesses work. It's not, it doesn't just all blow up at once. I guess because it's just it's so familiar now for it to be like, oh no, the whole company's going to fail. We've got to get you guys to type on your keyboard really fast because the <laughs> deadline's in 45 minutes. And if you don't type real fast, it's not going to work. Yeah. I don't know. It's enjoyable, but it's not like, yeah, it definitely feels a little stale. Have they announced an end date yet? I can't remember if they did. I I just I want to know if if they know how long. Like you, that make it know how long it's going to go on, or if they just have no idea. I don't think so. I I know Veep has an end date. Did yeah. Veep end? I think they were shooting like the final episodes this week. I think. Okay. So haven't aired obviously I get confused when I see stuff about Veep now because there's also Vice and I forget which one I'm looking at oh yeah <laughs> that movie that's coming out uh, anyway I don't know if I will watch the next season of Silicon Valley I waited like six months to watch this one yeah. but I liked it and it was, it was kind of nice to binge it so maybe that'll be my approach going forward is just pick it up later yeah um, you can't really binge Star Trek Discovery though because you got to pay that CBS access price to get there. Well, you just, you're just gonna wait. You're just gonna wait. I don't think so. It's Star Trek. It's way too important. I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. Twilight Zone comes out next year. I know, and they've got. I think the like the the new miniseries Star Trek thing has already started coming out. I'm already behind. I feel like they had something else too. They're they're getting shows yeah, that I want to see. Getting shit. It fucking sucks. <laughs> So Star Trek Discovery's first season, second half, aired uh, this year. I think mo- the first half might have also been this year. It was like January. Sounds right. Um, so maybe the whole first season of Star Trek Discovery was this year. Um, and it was kind of a, a mixed bag. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But it did have wonderful special effects, especially for a TV show. Um, an engaging main cast. You know, we had the Doug Jones hot off his like Golden Globe Academy Award win, right? Didn't he win all the awards? Is he now the most decorated actor in Hollywood? Uh, sure. Uh, playing a, a likable alien that has the power to sense fear, which is kind of a weird thing. Or no, to sense danger and express it as fear. Um... What I liked about this first season is they took a long detour uh, into the mirror universe. You know, the one where like Spock has a beard. Yeah. Whoa. And that was it. Gonna try and get me excited about Star Trek. Sorry, I was looking up whether um, Young Sheldon got canceled or not. Oh no, it's a hit. A hit man. Yeah, it's coming back for a second season in January. Hell yeah! So, um, yeah. I remember they announced that Young Sheldon's gonna make an appearance on uh, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Because Big Bang Theory's winding up, not winding down. Winding down. It's winding up for its winding down. Yeah. It's really going all out. <laughs> Um, you think we're going to watch that series finale? No. Well, I guess we'll find out when yeah. the time comes. Anyways, it's funny because we're talking about Big Bang Theory? Yeah, Big Bang yeah, Theory. Yeah, because I haven't seen it in so long, so I wouldn't know what's going on. I know some of them are like, married now. And yeah, yeah. They're not even nerds anymore. 
Uh, I'm looking at the CBS All Access page, and I see that they have a lot of Star Trek content. Have you seen Star Trek Short Treks, Sean? No, I think that's what I was talking about, like the, the miniseries. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Oh, what about After Trek? It's a talk show. Oh, is that their talking trek? Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, presented by Matt Muir from Nerdist Podcast, which mm. I couldn't remember who that was for a minute, and I was like, Matt, Matt Muir? Matt Hoffman? Like the, this, this, the, <laughs> well, yeah. I think you're thinking of Dave Muir I got also. confused, though, with Matt <laughs> Hoffman. Two BMX men. They did the fusion dance and became one. <laughs> That'd be cool if some like just dude's like, whoa, you just checked it out. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> really does bad much tricks on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> does a backflip over the. Uh, Got to fill this thirty-five minutes. I guess uh, spin the handlebars here. <laughs> so Picard is due out next year, supposedly. Right? Yeah, but it's gonna be late next year. Hmm. Do you think this show makes you less or more excited about that Picard idea? Like, had Star Trek Discovery not existed? So Star Trek Discovery has the problem that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies had, where they lean into space combat and adventure way more than they should, Mm -hmm. because Star Trek, to me, is about diplomacy. Oh, boy! Um, And so I'm nervous because I don't know how fucking 88 year old patrick stewart is gonna do the action stuff but also maybe that means they just aren't gonna do the action stuff with patrick stewart and they are gonna do like a real star trek story and that'd be cool yeah i guess yeah i guess there's reason to be optimistic there's reason to be optimistic just because the lead is so old (laughs) yeah there's still hope Though they could just do a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where he's just jumping around anyways. <laughs> Swinging around with monkeys in the branches. Does Picard have a son? No. Okay. So, uh, is, is there an opportunity to introduce a son here? I mean, it's a pretty late in life son. <laughs> I hope his son is also bald. <laughs> he looks uh, like I a mean, little one. That's what they have with Tom Hardy as his clone. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be like a 12 year old baby bald. Uh, I mean, obviously, there was uh, Will Wheaton was sort of the the scamp on the ship at the time. Lovable scamp, actually, no, opposite of lovable. Everyone hated him. Everybody hated him. But he ascended to another form of existence at the end of Next Generation. So I don't know why he'd come back. And also, he he's a man with a beard now. I want little kid Picard's son named Scamp. He's always getting into mischief. He's got a slingshot in his back pocket. It looks like a futuristic slingshot. Scamp Picard kind of sounds like Scampy Card. All right. Well, that's not a thing. Would you like to <laughs> punch my Scampy Card? Oh, so it's like you, a, what, a sandwich like, place, like a shrimp scampi place, but it has like a like a loyalty card. We buy five shrimp. Do they only have shrimp scampi? Or is that just their signature that's dish? That's their signature dish. Okay. So, gosh, that's that sounds good, man. I want some sh- free shrimp scampi. Yeah. But you gotta buy, like, eight. Hopefully it's a reasonable price. It's like twelve ninety five. Ooh, How many times do I have to get it punched before I get a free one? Five. Okay. It's not too bad. I'm thinking about that. You, with three, you can get a free side salad with your shrimp scampi. Oh, wow. So They're giving me reason you gotta to come back. You gotta cash in early. They're giving me a reason. What's the place called? I don't know. I know the card's called the Scampy Card. 
What's a good name for a scampy themed restaurant? What rhymes with scamp? Or camp. 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 Scamp. Scampy. Scampy camp. Scampy camp. It's terrible name for restaurants. Sounds like a little kid restaurant now. They got robots playing music. So what's the winner here? Man, this, this is going to be a long show, isn't it? <laughs> Even got That's the, valuable content. Even got That's what the they call it. They call it content. Yes. We're producing content. So much content. We gotta save this for the special bonus. Bonus episode. This is just for our Patreon supporters. Yeah. <laughs> we should have a Patreon. I'm gonna give it to Luke Cage. Congratulations to Luke Cage. Good Yay. job, Luke Cage. Sorry, you're dead. Uh, well, our next category is uh, mildly pleasing album of 2018. Our first nominee is "Thank You for Today" by Death Cab for Cutie. I listened to this album twice. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I mean, I only listened to it once, and then I put it up for a nomination. And I was like, "I'll listen to it again," okay. just to try and remember what it's like. And it's just fine, you know. I think I like it better than their last album, which I don't think I made oh. it through. And I feel like they veered kind of more into like synthy electronic sounds, and there's like too much on the last album. This one, this is just a nice balance of just very inoffensive indie pop songs. I think the most amusing thing for me and John was. We uh, had a band called the Defenestrators. I guess we've still never officially broken up, but still going strong. On one of our albums, we had a song called Northern Lights, and where we were making it and you know recording it, writing it, we were well aware that it had a definite Death Cab for Cutie vibe. Just uh, the instrumentation, the lyrics and stuff. And then on this album, lo and behold, there's a Death Cab for Cutie song called Northern Lights. It's like we we're doing a parody, but then it came true. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so what does that say about the band and where they are right now? Yeah. I did not listen to this album. I'm so disappointed with current Death Cab, but it's okay because I'll always love classic Death Cab. They'll always be a band I really like. Yeah. But the last time I saw them was in support of Kintsugi, which I don't think I ever listened to all of it, yet I saw them in concert while that album was out. And I spent that whole show checking my phone because it was Monday Night Football. <laughs> So it's kind of a sad end to my Death Cab fandom, at least in terms of keeping up with their current stuff. Yeah. Did they go continue with the same kind of style? Like, what's what's the I would gimmick? say so. I feel like it's maybe more similar to Codes and Keys, where it's, I like Codes and Keys. Even like, most people don't. Yeah, it's just kind of kind of pleasant, it. sort of piano-y, uh, poppy stuff. Yeah. I think the problem is Chris Walla left, and it hasn't been the same. Also, you can only go so long and be great for so long. Sure. So, just natural. They have one song that's basically just about Seattle being gentrified. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll always love that they have so much hometown pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even as the hometown lets them down. <laughs> just like Jack White always lets us Always down. on this list. He's okay. I just feel like Jack White for me only works when he's in some sort of group or band. Hmm. When he's off on his own, he's all over the place. I feel like he can't really decide what he wants to do and he tries too many different things. And there's like some cool songs in here. Uh, there's that over and over song, which is kind of a cool, like crunchy riff. But then there's that, what's that one, like Corporation? It's like eight minutes, just dicking around on funk instruments. 
and I think some people probably think that's what makes Jack White so good is the fact that he is like a mainstream artist that makes very not mainstream music. But for me, it just makes it seem like these albums don't have a cohesive vision. It's just you can put the tracks in any order. It's just a mess of everything. And there's some cool stuff, but for the most part, it's just exhausting. And this album isn't, isn't even that long. And I think it's exhausting. <laughs> oh. I just want them to either do uh, Dead Weather or Raconteurs or White Stripes. Oh. Or a new band. The White Stripes. Did you hear band. that the Raconteurs are getting back together? Yeah, I'm excited because I like the two Raconteurs albums. So. Yeah. And plus that other guy, Brendan Benson, like whatever happened to him, probably would be nice to get a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta look out for those that guys. That guy's good. Uh, someone who definitely needs people looking out for him is Kanye West, uh, who has just not known what to do with himself since 2016, and that all came tumbling out on Yay, an album that I was like, I'm not even going to listen to this. I had that approach too, just because it was in the middle of him being very pro-Trump and doing that rant on Saturday Night Live that didn't air. I don't know if I wish it had aired. That would have been a very strange moment in television. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like it was like ten minutes long. He would have gotten cut off either way. But um, yeah, I guess I was just curious at the end of this year to see what this album was like. And it's fine. It's, uh, you know, it seems like this was the year of very short rap albums, and this is one of those. And, you know, there's not really any Trump stuff on it. It's mostly just him, like, talking about his mental health and being a father and shit. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it just seems kind of like a half-baked album. Is Scoopity Poopity on this? I was also disappointed. Scoopity Poopity was not on this. Yeah. I couldn't even will myself to listen to this. I've always liked his music. I've never stopped liking it, even when the weird experimental songs. I think Scoopity Poopity. Whatever the fuck it's called. It's <laughs> <laughs> an okay song. Um, but he's just so hard to swallow these days. And it's yeah. crazy because I remember the Kanye West. It's like, George Bush hates black people. It's like, yeah. And now you're embracing, like, probably the president that has cared the least about black people out of any he's, president he's in probably history. openly said to one of his <laughs> like friends i don't care about black people i mean people on the apprentice has said that he yeah said would the drop N-word. the n-word yeah so it's like come on kanye like if you're supposed to be a great artist i mean i feel like you should be you gotta like put some some thought into like the, the be perceptive of the world around you you know He's living in this weird bubble now. Yeah, I suppose it does raise the question of should we hold all of our artists to a standard of where they have to have like personal views that align with our own? I don't know. Are, are, I mean, not all artists are like the most sane, <laughs> grounded people, but Kanye is just like God so just in his own direction that is just hard to even want a stomach that it's yeah it's really I, hard to that's like what it want is i care about him for me like i don't think like, i think it'd be different if he was if he had thoughtful reasons for being a trump supporter but it, it always feels to me like he's just trying to be a contrarian and grab headlines yeah and that's why he's also like going to classrooms and talking about how like he wants to 
abolish the 13th amendment mm-hmm. and 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 saying bizarre things on twitter um and so i think he, had, he just has these instincts to not be in the mainstream despite all the maneuvers he's made over the past decade to put himself kind of at the center of pop culture and 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 probably his mental health issues are adding to that so i i hope he figures some stuff out like i like it seems like maybe he's starting to do now um I've, i've also liked a lot of his albums and and more than that liked his status as a celebrity i thought he was always very good at being a celebrity until this this recent era um, yeah. so good luck man uh all right, all right. next time he's lick lee who has a, an all lowercase all album lower title case. so sad i mean so, so did so, so did kanye <laughs> oh yeah but uh lick lee is a artist um like just because she's kind of an unconventional pop artist her last album kind of had this sort of power ballady feel to it all the songs were very big and expressive and melancholy at the same time and this one it seemed like she was going in a more conventional pop direction which is fine people seem to be embracing pop artists more or at least critics seem to be and i i feel like yeah most of this album i was just okay with and the last couple songs i thought were actually pretty good so it was just kind of a whatever album from an artist i i generally like and also it came like i don't know four or five years after last album so it's kind of always disappointing when an artist goes a few years without a a release and then they release something that you're just kind of like eh, it's it's fine (laughs) yeah you nail it call uh I, I think before there was a certain dream pop influence on our sound and now it's not there yeah. and uh, and I missed that so I didn't like it as much but I didn't dislike this album I think yeah. it's a good pick for this list and uh, the one I added is Tira Wax Whack World um, we were talking about short rap albums doesn't mm-hmm. get much shorter than this the, the concept here was 15 uh, songs, each one minute long. So it's a 15-minute album. And, John, you're saying there's a video of it? There's a music video where they joined everything together, so it's one continuous song. It's basically like a 15-minute song. It's kind of interesting. That's kind of the experience of listening to the album. Uh, she she made a, like an interesting rap album but it's got the problem of every song is one minute so you start getting into it and then it's over hmm. yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of fits and starts or just kind of stops and goes and but it's interesting it's pretty ambitious for is that her first uh, anything i hope so so she was born in 1995 so shit <laughs> younger younger man there's like rappers from like 1998 that are like super famous now like born in 1998 <laughs> Yeah, cool it's idea. Cool. Yeah, but I don't know how well it works. So who wins? Who wins? Has Death Cab won this award before? It seems like they would have, but I don't know if they have. I don't feel like we would have given it to Kitsugi. Kitsugi, just because I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a wildly pleasing album to me. So the, the, I'm drawn to that and Lickily as yeah. As those the would two. be my picks. 
Should we give it to Death Cab? I think Death Cab feels more right. Okay. For me. So, Death Cab, thank you for today. Thank you for winning the uh, Mildly Please Award for Achievement in Mildly Pleasing Albums. Uh, we also, in the music section of the award show, have a song category. Um, another I, category we're thinking of excising. Yeah, this I think we're going to go pretty quick through this one because I can't imagine anyone has much to say about any of these. No. But our first nominee is Carly Rae Jepsen's Party for One. If you didn't know that you were right for me, then there's nothing I can say. Tried to call you out to spend some time to see, but somebody's in your way. Uh, this was a single that was released this year. I don't think the album's out yet. Um, and it's it's her talking about sometimes if you're not in a good relationship, you gotta take care of things yourself. Does Carly Jepsen still have that weird following of like a bunch of like nerdy thirty something white guys? Oh, I'm sure. For some reason, <laughs> yeah. I just don't get it. She's okay. She's, she's just doing pop. It's just music. a pop song. Yep. Um, enough said. Uh, the next nominee is Ape Shit by the Carters. So this was um, Jay-Z and Beyonce put out an album together this year and um, for being like the most powerful couple in all of entertainment. I just wanted it to be more than what this is. Um, I think, John, you were saying earlier they kind of just reminded you of like a Migos song. Well, it's weird because I, well, I was talking about how Migos has set this trend where there's always one guy in the back and going like, skeet, <laughs> yo. And I feel like jay-z though like he shouldn't be like following the trends right he should yeah, be making his yeah. own shit <laughs> but instead we get this ape shit <laughs> it's okay I, I like this one because it has a cool music video where they have people dancing in like museums or something it's like these huge dramatic settings yeah but i mean it was fine but it just it sounds too much like so many other songs that are mm-hmm. popular right now and that's weird considering they're more veteran artists yeah and it, and it, it kind of reminds me of watch the throne and the, it's like this huge collaboration but then you're like oh but it's still it's still just an album it's not <laughs> it's not changing the game yeah next we have greta van fleet when the curtain oh i wrote feels it's false feels <laughs> Peaceful Army, which Colin and I talked about on a rock talk. I think we agreed is the best song on the album. Yeah, I'll stand by that. It's a pretty good riff. Uh, The guy really stretches his voice out. I know, Sean, you didn't really have a great response to that. (laughs) I got used to it, though. I'll give him that. I I got used to it. It sounds a little strained on the chorus, (laughs) because he has to go just a tad higher. But it's got like a sweet guitar solo, and it rocks. This is like the good side of Greta Van Fleet when you when just hearing one song, but then you have a whole album and then you're like, I don't know, man. It's okay. 
You think they ever listened to any Paul McCartney? <laughs> Particularly his song, Come On To Me. They only listen to one band. It's Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this it sounds very much like the way Paul McCartney music sounds this, since the 2000s. Like it didn't feel like a departure to me, uh, but I respect that. Also, he's also he's got to be what like 80, <laughs> like 80, not quite, but he's getting there. How old is he? How old is Paul McCartney? I would guess he is what. 70 oh he's not 76 is he mm-hmm. damn that's old up. that's an old man if you want me to look it up Colin's looking it up Fine, i'll look it up um 76 wow you are correct sir that's old that's an old person going up and rocking out every night wow mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty impressive but I mean, who who would still have great ideas at that point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had so many ideas. You'd think maybe, maybe him. If not him, who? Springsteen. Well, somebody has no ideas because their biggest hit in years is just a cover of Toto. Is Weezer <laughs> with their cover of Africa, which is fine because it's just Africa. But they don't do anything to change it. It sounds exactly like the original. They don't add in like some extra crunchy guitar or something. You know, something they that do, was. They do have Weird Al, right? In the music video, yeah. Um, something that I thought was interesting was I saw that Toto, in response to when that when that kind of whole thing first started, covered Hashpipe at one of their shows, <laughs> and their version of Hashpipe was sweet because it had like keyboards and shit. And also, the guitarist of, like, Toto, like, he's in Toto, but he's a good guitarist. He is, like, kicking ass. Like, he's a solid musician. So, I kind of wish that Weezer had put their touch on it. But it's funny that the whole thing happened, you know. I think everybody gets a kick out of it a little bit. Um, Africa by Toto is one of those songs that I think we kind of liked a little bit before it became a meme. Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? I had another example. I forgot what it was, but I also thought it was interesting that um, you know the year started with this, and now it's ending with Pitbull's Africa cover from Ew, the I Aquaman that soundtrack. One. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, him emotionally rapping about like how the oceans what brought him from, what brought him to the United States. Oh my god! But then the, the, Aquaman or Pitbull? It's weird because it's, it's like, about him being an American, but then the chorus is. <laughs> I bless the rains down in Africa. It sounds like all a conceptual nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the Africa song about Aquaman with Pitbull. With Pitbull. Oh my god. So, shall we give it to Greta Van Fleet? Sure. I don't yeah, care cares? at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So Greta Van Fleet for When the Curtain Falls wins our Mildly Pleased Song Award. Let's move on to Lifetime Achievement for a lifetime of mildly pleasing accomplishments. I don't know. I feel like we usually give this to someone who maybe at some point had some promise or did something great, and then it hasn't quite been working out lately, specifically (laughs) this year. And I think Elon Musk is a great case of that because i feel like there's this time where people are like elon musk is gonna like save us in the future he's mm-hmm. gonna like start colonies in space and he's got these great cars and now he's just like fighting with guys on twitter having meltdowns and smoking weed with joe rogan yeah which was hilarious let's let's, let's not get it twisted <laughs> let's not like get it twisted. that that gif of him smoking weed and be like oh okay okay is I, fantastic i think the only thing that bugged me a little bit about it was when people were saying you know like people at tesla can't like they have to get drug tested all the time yeah so he can do whatever the fuck he wants uh well except he couldn't because <laughs> basically oh he got in trouble yeah, he got in big trouble got with his investors i forgot about that fucked up um but like i i think um the elon musk is done being a hero thing really crystallized for me um when he was attacking the Thai soccer team rescuers. Yeah. Uh, specifically, he was calling one of them a pedophile for criticizing him. Uh, he said that, you know, Elon Musk came in with a stupid submarine that was never going to be used and kind of made the story all about him, uh, which was totally justified. And Elon Musk, was like, no, fuck you, you're a pedophile. Cool. Good, good play. Um, like literally someone who's at the, at that moment being heralded as a worldwide hero for miraculously saving these children uh it's it's just it's a totally bad move and i don't know how he could couldn't see that and how grimes couldn't tell him to not do that oh grimes come on grimes that's that's so disappointing me grimes is so cool uh another band that was cool sort of related to that uh, Grimes is a solo artist. Is a is Gorillas. They, you know, they they did the thing. I feel like this happens sometimes where they they took long breaks between albums, mm-hmm. and they came out and they were really good. And now all of a sudden they're just coming out with an album every every other day of the week, and nobody gives a shit anymore. I think Humans was really disappointing uh, because it doesn't sound anything like those first two albums. And people would say, but that's what's great about the Gorillas. Is that it can sound like anything? And I was like, well, then why call it the Gorillas? Why is it? The, it doesn't sound like a band. Like I thought, the whole thing was they were a virtual band with virtual band members. Yeah. There's no like you don't feel like those band members are a thing anymore. They're just kind of there. Like it seems like they've totally lost track of what the concept was. And like yeah, that's cool that Damon Alvarn like collaborates with all these different people. But I feel like there's no unified vision here. And I think in that most recent album, they kind of got back a little bit to Damon Albarn actually singing lead on most of the songs. (laughs) But it was like super just like mellow and mid-tempo and just, I don't know. It was okay. I like the music video with Jack Black. Oh, I didn't see that. There's a music video where Jack Black's just singing along playing um, a guitar. And uh, did you see that they replaced their virtual bassist? Whoa. With one of the members of the Gang Green Gang from Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> what? This is a true fact. Hmm. From the new Powerpuff Girls or the original? 
he doesn't really look like the old one, but I don't know if he looks like the new one either. Mm-hmm. Might be a, a, their own take on him. It's troubling. Very troubling. Um, another nominee we have is John Turtletop. The- Same thing. Take, took these long breaks and was making these great movies. And then what happened, man? He does. He goes years between making movies. So Turtletop is a director probably most famous for directing Three Ninjas and Cool Runnings. <laughs> Um, but uh, more recently he did the National Treasure series mm-hmm. and then this year he had The Meg which brought him back into our minds <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah that is quite a gap between Las Vegas and The Meg five years ah Las Vegas that was the one with the old people who were going to die in Las Vegas mm-hmm uh, okay, so what's his best movie? <laughs> is it Three Ninjas? Is it Cool Runnings? National Treasure. Is it Disney's The Kid? This is really interesting because earlier I was saying Mildly Pleased to me was like, oh, they did something good, and now like lately it hasn't been as good. But this is a career of a lot of just not super terrible, just like, okay. Like, there's some pretty bad movies in here, but most of these, like, I don't have like a big issue with the National Treasure movies are Las Vegas. Mm. I know people really didn't like Sorcerer's Apprentice, but it doesn't bug me. It's funny it has Nicolas Cage. It has that broom thing in it, right? Yeah, it does have the broom thing in it. Anyway, let's just uh, sweep sweep ahead onto uh, Kanye West. We already talked about uh, he's had a rough year, rough couple years. Hopefully he'll get better. I want to add anything. Oh, I just don't know if we're basing lifetime achievement just on his work or if the the personality factors into it. Because if you look at his output as far as music, like, really, Ye is the only, like, mediocre album he's released. Mm-hmm. Like, Life of Pablo wasn't amazing, but it, it was good. It has it had its moments it felt like an actual album sort yeah. of even though he kept like messing with it after it was released and then everything before that it's all interesting to to very good i don't know it's just hard to make a case yeah. for that he's that like whatever he's done recently cancels out all his good albums which it, it kind of feels like maybe that's happened somehow but i don't know if we're quite there where it just feels like everything he's done is worthless, like like Bill Cosby or something. Where it's just yeah. like, oh, we have no use for what he's put out into the world anymore. I don't think we're quite there with Kanye yet. I think for me, it feels like he still has so much career ahead of him that it seems it premature to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We're putting you on notice, though. And <laughs> uh, our last nominee this year is Kurt Vile. Another person who has a lot of career ahead of them. But to me, it feels like every year is another fucking Kurt Vile album. It's like, I can't. It's always like pretty good. Like, I always listen to it. Yeah. I've never like fell in love with a Kurt Vile album, but I always enjoy it. And it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. There aren't many artists I, that are like that where. I'm not in love with them, but, you know, they're very listenable. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I just keep waiting for that one that will, like, really click with me. And it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and the fact that he has an album every year just aggravates that problem. <laughs> so who gets the lifetime achievement? <laughs> <laughs> 
This is hard. For, I don't know. He's not a clear winner for me this year. I think it's Elon Musk. Yeah. I guess. It is the funniest <laughs> way to go. <laughs> you still got time to get another. <laughs> yeah. He's getting We've old. never made a rule that you can only have one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we've said you, you can't get nominated. I think it was just a scene. I, swear, I, I feel like Elon Musk still has some funny things to happen to him. I hope they're <laughs> funny and not terrible. <laughs> yeah, they might must be terrible. Um, so congratulations to Elon Musk, lifetime achievement in my pleasure. You must be so proud. Uh, our next category is uh, achievement in mildly pleasing acting. And so we're going to talk about actors first and then actresses. Um, and our first nominee is Alden Ehrenreich, who played Han Solo in the movie Solo, mm-hmm. which came out this year, even though everyone's like, did that even come out? <laughs> weird for a Star Wars movie to feel like that. Just so forgotten. But it was a Sean, you put this on fairly here. unremarkable film. I think I actually oh, you put, put this it on, on. Okay, so what do you... Why, why did you put it on? I think the thing about this performance is it's kind of a loose-loose situation that Alden Ehrenreich was walking into. And so I felt like he really had to be very charming and charismatic and he's fine. He he. I don't think like I wouldn't put it on the level of say Chris Pine in Star Trek, where he's stepping into a beloved character and you know he's he's able to charm his way into doing like a new spin that feels very Chris Piney, but also like it, it's it's still Captain yeah, Kirk, still the most handsome man on the planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> But Alden Ehrenreich, he just—he's not as not as good as Harrison Ford, and he's not bad. He's just there. I mean, the film itself is just kind of whatever, and that probably doesn't help him. That I don't know that he had to star in this kind of bastardized Ron Howard version of what was yeah. originally made. Um, yeah. I'll agree it's a lose it was a lose situation taking the role. Yeah. But I think it's the best any of us could have asked for for a young Han Solo. It's Harrison Ford is such a weird energy to channel <laughs> because he's charming but he's a charming grump and yeah. even back then when he was younger he always seemed kind of old. It, it's just it's tough for a young person to do. Like I can't even picture cuz to me Harrison Ford's never been young too so there's not really any <laughs> template. So I think he did a. I it must have been a really challenging role. Yeah. And I respect the hell out of him for the job he did. Yeah, I think it's good that he chose not to do an impression, because even Donald Glover, who I usually love, did sort of a kind of impression. Yeah, Lando. Like I understand he's young Lando, but Lando never had that much swagger. Come yeah. on, he's really he's it's like an impression of Lando at this point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. And he does pretty good uh, Wookiee growls, which are hard to do. Not a lot of people can do those. Uh, our next nominee uh, is is Henry Golding, who's from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I think a big part is I don't think his character is that good. No. He really feels like I, like I, I hear people say beta male. Like he just he doesn't really seem like a, much of a man. He's, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! Yeah. You see when he took his shirt off? I mean, I don't mean a man in that way. 
Sean's flexing. I don't like. I don't like. Right I don't now. like the character. And I, I, I wasn't surprised when I said that Henry Golding wasn't even an actor before this movie. He was like a host of like travel shows. He does okay. He, he's handsome. Uh, I just don't. I, he's kind of charming. I don't know. He's just not that interesting to me. He's just boring. I thought he conveyed the confidence of someone who never had to worry about anything in his entire life. Sure. He doesn't do a bad job. He's just okay. Um, yeah, I didn't fall in love with him, I guess. <laughs> you guess. Sound like you're still thinking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, if he proposed to me... Well, he took his shirt off. <laughs> he took his shirt off. If he takes his it. shirt off and proposes to you, yeah, and he's super. Uh, yeah. Is this his character? And, and I don't have to. And if it's like in the movie, I don't have to ride on an airplane. That's I'm sold. But here's the thing: I feel like a big part of Crazy Rich Asians is what does your family have to offer to the? Oh, you know what connections do you do you bring to the table here? Oh well, my 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 brother can probably get some buddy passes. <laughs> Okay, that's something. That's probably more than she had to offer. My dad was on CBS News this year. I'm, I'm like son of a celebrity, basically. I think you have better connections than she did. Well, she was like a professor. That's cool. That's like a cool job. Another person who has the connections, the shark connection, uh, <laughs> is Jason Statham, the vague as... I'm sure he had a dumb name, right? Probably like Dr. Jonas... Venture? <laughs> It's definitely Jonas or Jonah, because, like, whales and water and shit. Uh, it was Jonas Taylor. Uh, yeah, we watched we watched this movie, and I was really hoping, based off of the trailer, that the Meg would be kind of like the next Deep Blue Sea, like, really funny and over-the-top, because that's how they marketed it, you know, with this shark attacking people, and there's, like, a guy in a hamster ball in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... But the actual movie is very slow. It's a lot of talking. It's very scientific in a boring way. And Jason Statham, who's usually like this tough guy who has lots of funny retorts and one-liners, plays it pretty straight. He's just like a good dude. He's just a good dude. He's, he's not even an asshole. Yeah, like. it's weird. He's like the guy who gets along with the kid. And he's, he's likable and everything, but it's like I thought when you bring in Jason Statham for a role... It's because you want a little bit of that angst. You want yeah. some attitude. You, you want to make Furious 7. You want to punch in the shark's eye. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some good shark stuff near the end. Maybe it makes it work for it. Yeah. It's weird seeing Jason Statham just like be a scientist and talk to people for yeah. like 90 minutes. Just like happy to be part of the team. And uh, like they do, they give him like a... He had to make a tough decision and people died and so they hate him. But it's dumb. But Sean, Sean... <laughs> Do you remember when he took his shirt off? I don't. It, it was one of those scenes where, like, the, uh, the 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 female lead comes into a room and he's got his shirt off and she's like, "Oh, look away!" That classic kind of <laughs> yeah. cliche in movies. Yeah. She's like, "He's pretty ripped and he's got to be like fifty or almost. He's probably mid forties. Mm-hmm. So wow. I don't know if he if he asked me like, <laughs> I'm I am shark scientist <laughs> Jonas Taylor. <laughs> I don't know, maybe." All right. Uh, Logan Marshall Green plays a man with a robot in his brain in Upgrade. And he does it very well. I respect the hell out of Logan Marshall Green's performance because he does a great job playing a... uh, Was he quadriplegic or paraplegic? He becomes a quadriplegic. Quadriplegic for a little bit. (laughs) And then he gets a robot in his brain and he does a good job portraying somebody who 
can move with perfect precision because there's a robot controlling him. Are we doing a good job explaining this, Colin? Do you know what this movie's about? Mm, not really. Basically, it's the the, the not too distant future, and um, he, him, and his girlfriend are out doing something, and she gets killed, and he gets attacked, and he becomes a quadriplegic, and then this uh, scientist, this rich scientist, says, "I'll put this chip in your brain that'll make it so you can move your arms and legs again." But there's a feature where basically he can talk to the robot computer thing in his brain, and the, and that can take over his body, so he can use it to do like amazing like <laughs> kung fu. <laughs> And those scenes are really cool, but there's oh, there's not quite enough of them really because it's a low budget movie. Mm-hmm. And he's been really trying to break out of that "I look like Tom Hardy" shell, and I think he's doing an okay job. He's a little more like kind of sad sacky. I, like, I don't know. He he just feel. I'm starting to get a feel for what Logan Marshall Green is. He's more of like a real person, where it's like Tom Hardy even trying to play like. Eddie Brock is still like super hey, I'm Eddie weirdo. Brock from the street. I got a crazy voice. I'm starting to think that as much as I love Tom Hardy, he can't really play like relatable regular person. <laughs> that, that, and that's the way movie stars used to be. Yeah. Before we got into our weird complicated era. It used to be like you just can't deal with this person. He's not a real person. Yeah, Logan Marshall Green feels like a guy you would know. <laughs> but who has a robot in his brain. Yeah. He's just got a robot in his brain. I don't know how well he handles some of like the really dramatic stuff but he definitely yeah he handles it like oh what's going on like what yeah, yeah. I, he does some pretty good freaking out towards the end of the yeah. movie it's fun to watch i i hope nothing for the best for him and again i can't stress how complicated it is to do like i'm freaking out but also i'm doing like 100 percent precise martial arts at the same time and, and t- trying to pretend like your body is a different character than your brain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know just like kind of, and, and also good uh, disabled acting, which is also not easy. Uh, our last nominee is Ty Sheridan. For his video game acting. For his video game acting. So how much video game acting did they do? Do they do motion capture for the video game parts? It doesn't really seem like it. Mm, it doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I would say, I would guess no, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, well. I total just blank slate. He's he's been yeah. okay in other the, stuff. The joke about Ty Sheridan is he plays Cyclops in this because people don't like looking at his whole face. They got to put a big visor on. Him. <laughs> yeah, then he's like you put the visor on, and the rest of the movie he's anime boy. So you don't even really. So he's basically just doing voiceover for us. He's just it's not really his fault. It's a very generic character. I was kind of disappointed that in like the book that character's all fat and stuff, fat nerd. Yeah. Really miss miss mess. So do they also because in this one they have him like get like a like a bungee like like he's moving around a little bit in real life setup. Does, yeah. Do they not have that in the? Book? He does get that eventually. Does he, does the get, super does like half suit where he can move around? Does he using the treadmill and stuff get him kind of fit? Well, actually, the, there's a part that's not in the movie at all where he becomes um, like enslaved by that corporation and they like shave his head and they make him one of their guys like. One of the Sixers, kind of, yeah, the and like, Sixers. and he's like in a jail cell, and eventually they break him out. But yeah, during that time, he's like he gets like pretty good shit. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, it's just totally forget. It's, you're not seeing this for the the great lead performance. <laughs> but like, I remember watching. I was like, I wonder if that would have been just a little better if it had someone a little more charismatic, like a Timothy Chalamet or something. Uh, <laughs> would have way more emotional. He's okay. So who wins? This is a tough one. Um, <laughs> sure. 
It occurs to me Colin's only seen Solo and Ready Player One. Yeah. You guys seemed the most mildly pleased by Jason Statham. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Being honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a very... Um, he's just a good guy. Just, just a good guy. Let's <laughs> move on to actress. Yeah, our first nominee also is a solo actress. It's uh, Amelia Clark, who remembers her character name. I do. I do. Oh, I don't at all. Jen Laser. No. Jan Lazor. <laughs> Kira is her name. It's spelled crazy, but it's pronounced Kira. <laughs> what does that say about these Star Wars movies that come out now that I don't know any of the characters' names? I guess I know. Apparently, you know Jin Urso or Colin does. Yeah, I know that one. I said Jen Laser. <laughs> Laser. I know what you're doing, Colin. Do I'm on to your games. I know The Force Awakens people, but I'm the spin offs have been a total mistake. I don't know any of those yeah. characters. Well, they're not doing them anymore. They're just doing TV shows now. Like they're giving. Well, isn't that a spinoff in a way? It I, is. I guess. Yeah, it is. We'll see. But Carl Weathers gets to act again. That's cool. But yeah, Amelia Clark. I don't know that anyone had anything to bring to this character. It, it's just. <sighs> just wasting my time. I guess she has that thing where it's like I'm a bad guy though at the end. Colin, do you want to tell our story again? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if we'd wait till we talk about Solo as a film. Well, no, I think because it's it's an it's action top- sequence ends and we get to a we get to one of the again. love scenes between Amelia Clark's character and and Han Solo, and so when we saw this movie in theaters, which is at Cinerama, which has a you know fabulous sound system, it should um, just drown anyone out. But there's this guy in the middle of this scene that, you know, is a boring scene. Yeah. And the guy just, I hear him going, <laughs> like the most over-the-top snoring noise I've heard. I assume he's mocking the film. Right. He's not. He's actually in like <laughs> sleep-induced coma, basically. Yeah, just like scream stuff. snoring. And... You know, the whole, like, audience was taken out of the movie. I mean, I certainly was. I could not concentrate on the scene, which it felt like it became, like, a fairly exposition-filled scene at a certain point. (laughs) It definitely got me a little lost as far as the plot, because I was just, like, watching to see if anyone was going to wake this guy up. And at a certain point, somebody who worked in the theater started, like, pushing him on his chest and be like, Sir... Sir, wake up, and he's just like, because oh. the audience tried to wake him up, and we couldn't do it. it they yeah. had to get a guy, and they just removed him from the theater. Yeah. He's, he's not well. Uh, ruined everyone's experience. But uh, honestly, it was probably the most memorable thing about this movie. Uh, another memorable performance is Jennifer Jason Lee in Annihilation. She plays this character who is just spaced out the entire film it's a very unusual character and of course when i watched like a bunch of making of documentaries about annihilation because i thought it was a very interesting film uh not interesting enough for me to read the book because i'm lazy but i did watch a lot of making of stuff on youtube and uh i thought it was really interesting how the the uh the director alex garland and, and the cast all talk about how jennifer jason lee is such a great actor she's given such a great performance they all trust her so much and I just was like, really? Because she just seemed really, like really spaced out and bizarre the whole movie, like a very uh, uncomfortable, distant character. And I guess that's what they're going for. It is a weird, freaky movie, so maybe that's the intended effect. Um, 
but it's not i wouldn't i would not let you know nominate her for a, a best actress oscar for for her work in annihilation a movie that i think is great um so i put her up on this list did anyone else have that reaction the fact that I have to think about it and feel like I'd have to watch it again may say something about that. I definitely feel like out of the four main women, um, I feel as mean to say this, like the least, the least good. I mean, they're all good. But yeah, I definitely the other performances I found more interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to see it again, so I don't know. But I, you might have something there. Cool. Uh, my next pick was <laughs> Rachel McAdams uh, from Game Night. Uh, she's funny. Uh, I don't really. This feels like just filling out the category. Yeah, I, I, fine. I don't think I'd seen her in a comedy before because I haven't seen the, the Mean Girls. I would say her best part though was in, like they had to ruin it by putting it in the trailer. My favorite when she's part. goofing with the gun, or yeah, when she's pulling well, the, the bullet out. When the guy gets sucked into the. the oh cat. yeah. She goes yes. Oh no, he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's good. Uh, another nominee I put up was Rosamund Pike, uh, who's getting a lot of Oscar hype for a different movie that she starred in this year. But she was also in this spring a movie called Beirut, a John Hamm led political thriller set in Lebanon, uh, where she plays like generic CIA tough bossy bitch. <laughs> cool. <laughs> In the script, that's her character. Yeah. <laughs> this just sounds like the most boring. Movie. Yeah, it just felt like it should be in the conversation. <laughs> We're talking about mildly pleasing. I don't know anything about this movie. Oh wow, it's a Brad Anderson movie. He made The Machinist. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it felt like a movie that would have felt right at home coming out in like a 2005. Okay. Uh, like that that sort of style like whoa we're doing movies about the Middle East and so edgy it's like and Russell scary Crow. and yeah like <laughs> Russell Crowe should have been in the John Hamm role um, but instead it's this you know this story about John Hamm like an ex negotiator uh, because his, his wife got killed when shit went down in Beirut and now they're calling him back because he's the only guy who knows everybody who can negotiate this situation out. And, you know, the Americans are bad, but they're not as bad as the Terrys. And it's just, uh, it's just like, why, why is this movie made? <laughs> it's not bad. It's just like, who gives a shit? And, and you know, and John Hamm's like a, basically a comedy actor at this point. It's weird to see him step back into trying to be a movie leading man in a like semi-action film he doesn't really do any action stuff because he's he's a civilian he's always just like taking cover mm. but he you know it's one of those things where he's a civilian but also he's like the one who's going into the most dangerous situations because he's like I, i'm the only one who can handle this does he ever throw a punch maybe okay. i don't remember it might be an action punch. movie <laughs> but there's people get shot and blown up and stuff people get shot a lot in buster scruggs as well we're talking about zoe kazan yeah in her segment Zoe kazan's an actress where i still don't really know how i feel better i guess she's pretty good in the big say that's a pretty good movie oh yeah but i remember like when ruby sparks came out and i was always i was kind of iffy on that movie because she wrote it and then she wrote herself as like the ultimate dream girl which i thought was really weird <laughs> Yeah, but lots of guys do that. Okay. <laughs> and and this, her character is very kind of, I don't know, I don't even know how to put it, not monotone, just weird kind of... She's timid yeah. and uh, 
a little hard to read. Like she's, you, you can never quite tell what she's thinking, and and she acts in surprising ways at a couple occasions, which is good. Yeah, it's just fine. But in a movie where each of the segments is dominated by the lead performance, mm-hmm. hers was the one where she felt most like part of an ensemble, even though I couldn't tell you the names of any of the other guys in that segment. Yeah. No. That, it makes sense to me. Love the movie, but yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, Colin, have you seen this yet? Uh, no. I really <laughs> need to watch it. It's just... I don't like watching movies on Netflix, but I'll do it from time to time. Just like time. watching a movie on DVD? Yeah. This was the first time I'd ever watched a movie on Netflix where I did not feel like I was watching a movie on Netflix. Because there's been movies that have been on Netflix that definitely don't feel like Netflix movies, but I still feel like this isn't like a real movie for some reason. It doesn't feel like a real movie. And this was the first time I was like, this feels like its own thing. And it was scary, right? Because Buster Scruggs, there was that... the. I don't know if he was even true, but the story was out there that it was going to be like a TV show. I think that was just like incorrect. Like it was never intended to <laughs> yeah. be. Like someone came to the Coen Brothers, saw they had like all these short stories over the years. Like, why don't you make it into a movie? They're like, okay, we'll do it. Yeah, it was <laughs> a good idea. Did. It was good. I kind of feel like it should get a little more attention, and I, I kind of feel like the fact that it's on Netflix has probably hurt that a little bit. Maybe. Maybe certainly hurt any like chance it has any kind of awards. That's kind of tricky though with an anthology yeah. thing. Where do you like? Who gets like? Who's what's the best segment? Who mm. who do you award? Yeah, so it's already kind of fucked. So my favorite <laughs> performance was uh, that 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 Dudley kid from Harry Potter's in one of the segments. He's <laughs> yeah. really good. In I really the like most Tom depressing Waits. segment ever. Tom Waits is actually really good too. Yeah, I usually hate Tom Waits. That's a stuff. great one. That's a great performance. <laughs> He's good, but we need to pick an actress, and I would say Rachel McAdams. Because she's a really good actress, but she's just doing she's comedy. Too good. She's too good. She's too good. Um, Amelia Clark. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Or Rosamund Pike in Beirut. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but definitely Rosamund Pike. <laughs> it feels okay. right. I would give it to Rosamund Pike because I feel like I like her, the Amelia. It's not her fault, but I didn't like Amelia Clark's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't really like it either. <laughs> Okay, good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got okay. Hold on, I gotta look up the name of her character now. Why? <laughs> so I want to congratulate Rosamund Pike. Congratulations for winning the uh, mildly please award uh, for acting uh, in 2018 for your portrayal of Sandy Crowder, a CIA field agent working undercover at an American embassy, tasked with keeping. John Hamm alive and ensuring the mission is successful. Sweet. That's her, that's on the cast section of the Wikipedia page of the movie. <laughs> Just all, want you to all know that what detail. you're getting into. Um, so we come to the uh, the final award of the night. The mildly pleasing film of 2018. Mm-hmm. And our first nominee is Crazy Rich Asians. We've already talked about it a little bit. My frustration with Crazy Rich Asians is it never fully became a comedy. It continually settled back into being a romantic, like, chick flick thing. I'll agree with that. Also, it was a movie that I enjoyed for maybe, maybe even 45 minutes. Let's go with that. And then I pause it, and I was like, this is two hours. Yeah. And I can't believe this is like a trilogy of books, too. And it just feels... 
so low stakes <laughs> rich people problems and i understand like it's really cool to get asian representation of any kind in mainstream american movies but the movie the story itself is that really relatable to a lot of asian americans uh <laughs> i don't know but it did well so i guess I, I don't know i guess people do like to see people put into fantastic kind of scenarios yeah, i wish i could be in that scenario yeah, i guess that's the, the allure of it, of it. And I like I like Constance Wu, and I like a lot of the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it totally loses momentum at a point. And I'm like, what are we? What's really the struggle here? It's not that big of a deal. Nope. Uh, our next has the opposite problem. It's a quiet place uh, where you know exactly the stakes and the struggle, and it just kind of. I don't know. It doesn't surprise you, I don't think. Yeah, not really. Like near the end, I was I was expecting how are they gonna how are they gonna get out of this? I I didn't really. I feel like they kind of copped out. I feel like I can spoil that with they just make that weird like sound, but then you like see them all like coming over to the farm and like Ellie Blunt's like getting a gun ready, and I'm like, yeah, this is a non-ending. This is like when you're listening to a song and it just keeps playing the chorus over and over again, and it keeps fading. It just fades out slowly and slowly. Whereas I feel like this movie really. D- d- deserve something more special or a twist or something big which is so weird because 12 cloverfield lane did the same ending and everybody reacted negatively to that ending except for a few of us yeah so you think john kaczynski would have been aware that ending with someone being like i'm about to go into a fight is a bad idea (laughs) but he did it anyway there's a lot of really cool ideas in this movie it's definitely one of those movies that was ruined for me a little bit when people started explaining well how come they didn't do this how come they didn't do that and I think there's some points that people raise that is like you're nitpicking and then other ones where it's like hey that's a pretty good point <laughs> there's no reason they need to be playing Monopoly with like cloth pieces okay that's a little excessive but then there's other stuff where I'm trying to think of what's a really annoying plot hole or, or just little thing in here that doesn't make sense I know there's some I guess the one I just brought up I mean for, to think of for me it, they knew that being close to a waterfall made them safe you see that was the, actually one of the ones that I think is, is nitpicking because like what they're just going to build a whole fucking house next to a waterfall there's no like stable ground just going to live under a waterfall it's like if I was in that scenario I would probably risk it if I got to live in a house <laughs> I don't want to live like some weird like wood person living in a waterfall <laughs> alright it's a shitty way of life I think it's a cool original idea, but it had some problems and it didn't have a good ending. Yeah. Uh, unlike Ready Player One, where it's like, this is as good as it could have been. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is the best case scenario. <laughs> like, it's a dumb idea. It's a really dumb idea. It just, no one it, should have made it into it a It made movie. no sense to, to attempt to turn that into a movie. And what they made was very inoffensive <laughs> and, I suppose, watchable. There's some good. There's some fun parts. I was just showing um, my girlfriend some clips the other night, and she kept going like, Ugh. "There's like <laughs> watching like the shining sequence. It looks really cool. I still can't tell if it's like a real set or CGI, or if they put them into the like clip a clip of the original movie. I don't know what they did. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And that racing sequence with the T Rex and King Kong, that's cool. But yeah, like the characters suck. <laughs> mm. 
and it doesn't have a very satisfying ending. I feel like the the like what's what do you what's the message you're supposed to take away from that? It seems like they should totally abandon the Oasis, but they're like, we'll just use it every once in a while. What did they really learn yeah. here? Yeah, it's um, it's <coughs> capitalism. One, you know, like the, obviously, the lesson of the movie is that like their society had fell into a dystopia because everyone was obsessed with the game, and so the lesson obviously should be like you have to invest in the real world because the real world's become a dystopia. You know, it's the it's the Wally ending. You can't keep yeah. living in your fantasy. You have to come at yeah and plant some shit and clean up, <laughs> but. <laughs> This is a big capitalist commercial for old properties where, where, where a character literally says, Asteroids is perfect. And so, <laughs> and so they have to be like, well, no, no, no. It's, uh, moderation is about it, as good an ending as we're going to give you. You know, it's uh, one other thing. Uh, we you know nominated Ty Sheridan for Mildly Pleased Actor. I almost um, nominated... Um, Olivia Cook for actress. Someone that I would not nominate for either, who generally gave a bad performance, was uh, uh, Mark Rylance as as James Holiday. That yeah. was a bad performance. In the trailers, I kept being, well, maybe it's going to be kind of interesting. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the theory me and Sean had before was that he was reading his lines off of a teleprompter <laughs> for the first um, time. My egg. I I'm going to give you all of the money. The fuck he, what, who talks like that? Because he has this reputation of being like the greatest actor of his generation, someone who's stuck with theater his mm-hmm. entire career, and and Spielberg was the one to finally bring him over to make yeah. him do film, and now he's but he he met his match, yeah, he's playing like a video game man. He had the BFG and this bullshit. Side side note though, Ben Mendelsohn's actually pretty good. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn, <laughs> he's the best performance in the movie. Uh, as douchebag, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much just his career <laughs> what, now. What he's doing? Well, didn't he have like a Netflix movie or something where he's just like a guy? I watched that movie, but he's he is pretty much a douchebag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Nicole Holofcener movie. It was not a bad movie, but yeah, he's good. It's got like a poster of him at like uh, like Bed Bath and Beyond, right? Yeah. It's got like all the colors of towels or something. Yeah, it's a good poster, yeah. but he's not a good guy. I mean, he's just like you know. Just like this, like mediocre baby boober guy who got out of his rich job, and he's just like trying to find himself. Okay, so it's like he's just like trying to be nice to like his kid with drug problems and his their his troubled friends and stuff. So it's like the good Adam Sandler movies that nobody cares to see. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, our next nominee, we've also talked about a little bit already on this podcast. It's Solo, a Star Wars story. Shouldn't have made it. Big dumb mistake. Uh, when you're talking about that guy who fell asleep, I, I totally forgot that I fell asleep. I probably broke my record for times falling asleep in a movie. So, to the point where I can't even quantify it with a number. I don't know how many times. So you fell asleep at both of the A Star Wars Story movies. I've never made it all the way through a Star Wars spinoff without passing out. <laughs> Granted, I did see Solo at 11.30. That yeah. was the start time. Wow. That's rough. Uh, but it was mostly near the mid, the middle and the end. Not enough. Not enough. There's like these like race of people in the desert. I had no idea who they were. I couldn't keep track of it anything. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. Dumb. I saw the part I did like though was when he first met Chewbacca and they were hanging out. Like when they're like Chewbacca's all covered in mud and they first meet. Yeah. I was like, this should have been the movie. Just them hanging out and doing mm-hmm. like like a Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid thing with Han Solo and Chewbacca. But then they kind of turn into an ensemble piece. I don't think that works. 
Yeah, they, they, they. It's like every good thing they do is undercut by a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but fundamentally, just like we knew everything that we ever wanted to know about Han Solo, and then they added all these bullshit details to his story now that you're going to read about on Wikipedia forever. Like Solo isn't his last name. Some guy at a booth gave it to him because he was buying a Solo ticket off the planet, and it's like. That's so stupid. <laughs> Did they say his real name? It could have just been... I think he didn't have a last name. I think that was the, the thing. Um, Mike Trio. <laughs> <laughs> you really got me with that. <laughs> very amusing. Okay, so should we move on? Yeah, I guess un- let's just move on. Unsane. I, I was really excited to see Unsane because this was, I think, after Steven Soder was like, I'm done. I'm good. After Behind the Candelabra. I think that's the movie mm, that came before this. Mm, mm, like, I'm just done for movies. I'm just going to re-edit like, Raiders of the Lost Ark and make it black and white uh, and for some reason put on the internet. Just do weird shit like that. Yeah. But it's like, hey, I'm making a new movie. I'm going to shoot it all on phones. I'm just going to edit as we go. And it's like, that's so awesome. That's what filmmaking is all about. Just kind of just doing whatever. Just getting inspired and go making a movie. And then I sit down and watch it, and it's kind of compelling for like a half hour, but then you kind of get a whole feel for the what the movie's about in the middle, and there's no ambiguity at all for the whole way. <laughs> no sense of like, because the trailer really plays up like, is she what is she seeing? Is she crazy? Is she that, that really there? You know pretty, pretty quick into the movie, and it just totally loses it. And I think the iPhone stuff is cool, but there's definitely... You can definitely see why people don't like it. I like when it's like night and the blacks are like really fuzzy and there's just some really ugly like close-ups. It was a it was a good experiment, and I think Claire Foy is really good in it. Uh, but yeah, by the end of it, I was like, this is like third tier Soderbergh because he's made so many movies. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like he's already going back to doing more con- like bigger stuff after this. Even though he's like, I'm gonna shoot all my movies on a phone, man. Yeah. It's cool that I got made. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like someone thinks it's about time to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Ready Player One. I think I, for me, I, just because I, I actually so. actually enjoyed yeah. parts of it. Where Solo, I guess I enjoyed like one or two scenes. <laughs> yeah, I'd go with the Ready Player One. Great. It was the funny choice. Incredibly forgettable. So there you have it. Uh, congratulations to Ready Player One for its uh, achievement and mild pleasure in the category of uh, films. Or, uh, in this case, movies. Films probably better. So. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you so much for uh, sitting through another overly long award show. It's that time of the year. Uh, we're going to do some more podcasts, and we're going to write up a bunch of lists over on mildlypleased.com our website uh, if this goes up this week you'll have uh, you'll have our um, our top 10 albums of the year individual lists as well as something new we're trying our top 10 songs of the year podcast to look forward to next week and then TV shows and movies and video games in the weeks following that and um, otherwise uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, to get those podcasts directly on your thing to search for the word mildly pleased or like I said, go to mildlypleased.com to, to read up the individual lists. Um, we usually don't write more than a paragraph each, so they're pretty readable. Uh, so thank you so much for listening, and we will speak to you next time. Bye.